Good morning, Lakewood. It's good to have you with us. Um, Pastor Steve was going to be uh, teaching us this morning, but he was a little under the weather. So thanks for joining us, and um, let's dive in. I remember being told the story about a professor. He was preparing 15 of his students for Christian ministry. And at the beginning of the class, he handed out 15 envelopes. And uh, the first five said 15 minutes. You need to make it over to your classroom on the other side of campus. Your grade depends on it. Then he gave five more of them the same thing, but it said 45 minutes. And then the last group, the last five, he gave five hours. What he didn't tell them was this, that he had hired professional actors to act as though these things were happening. They had these needs. One was they were just homeless, sitting on a bench. One was with their hands, you know, into their face, and they were crying. And the last person was just distraught, disorientated, and, and was need, in need of medical care. It was interesting as he looked at this and the results, none in the first group that had 15 minutes stopped to help. Only two that had 45 minutes stopped to help. However, all five that had five hours stopped to help. See, it's no wonder that many people find it hard to do what God wants. Most of us are just too busy. Each of us has a choice as how we're going to live our lives uh, we, we can choose to make God our priority or we can choose to serve ourselves. I'll tell you, time really flies. I was just thinking, I just turned 51. I've been married 26 years. I was a youth pastor for 27 years and now I'm a real pastor for the last year and a half. Well, that's a joke because a lot of people ask me, when are you going to be a real pastor at my previous church? Time has gone by so quickly. Well, in our passage today, we're going to learn some pretty important things about how we use our time and how to make our lives truly count. So who wrote Ephesians? Well, it was the Apostle Paul. He was in jail. This was, would be considered what you'd call a circular letter for the churches in Asia Minor or today's Turkey. A circular letter means it was not intended for just one church. It was for the whole entire area, and it was meant to be passed along. The first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul deals with the idea of our position in Christ. But the last three deal with how we are to follow Christ. We begin in Ephesians 5.15 where it says, Look carefully then how you will walk. Or in the NIV it says, Live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. So we need to be careful. Notice Paul's words, look carefully. He's warning us of a possible problem ahead. It's like one of those yellow and black signs you'll see as you're driving that caution us, that warn us of possible danger ahead. You know, it can be a school crossing, snow, deer crossing, dip in the road, whatever it might be. It doesn't mean that something bad's going to happen but it's to make us aware that there is a potential danger ahead. 
So we are to be mindful of the things going on around us. And, you know, and he uses this word of walk or live. It's this idea that every day we're in this. Paul notes that there are different ways people will choose to walk and live. So continuing in verse 15, it says, not as unwise, but as wise. See, we must understand that the world's priorities are not God's priorities. Think of it this way. Unwise, the way of the world. Or wise, the way of the Lord. Matthew 16, 26 says this. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? I can't tell you how many statistics and survey results I've read over the years that show most people who say they're Christians have nearly the same percentages of those that call themselves non-religious. Christians lie, we cheat, we steal, we gossip, we slander, we get drunk, etc. at about the same rate as Joe next door. How can that be? Well, I believe it's happened because we've become more concerned about what, are the, what others think of us. We have become distracted because we've lost focus. In Colossians 3, Paul says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And then in verse 2 he says, Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So set our hearts and minds on things above, not on earthly things. Think of it like a horse in a parade or in a race. They put on the blinders so that they only focus on what is ahead of them and not get distracted by the things that are around them. See, we need to first get ourselves refocused on what's important, walking or living God's way. See, we need to be convinced that God's way is the best way. I'll come back to this, though, in just a little bit. In verse 16, Paul then continues writing. He says, make the best use of your time. Or in the NIV, it says opportunities because the days are evil. See, there's a, there's a sense of urgency. First, he gives us the what, making the most of your time. I suppose another way to say is don't waste your time on meaningless things. See, we need to be disciplined. King Solomon, he was the wisest king, wisest man, vast kingdom of riches and everything. Had everything you could imagine. But in Ecclesiastes 12, as he writes in verse 13 and 14, he concludes with this advice. The end of the matter... So the end is here. So here it is. All has been heard. And he says this, Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Fear God and keep his commandments. Second, Paul gives us now, I would say, is the why. Because the days are evil. He makes it very clear that we need to be doing things that last and have value in God's eyes. Why? Because we're limited on the time we have here. This means that 
what we do with our time is very important. Author and playwright Victor Hugo says, once said this, he says, as short as life is, we can make it shorter still by the careless waste of time. In James 4.14, as James writes, he, he asked that very important question, what is your life? I think many times we've asked that question. What is our purpose? What is our life? And it says, our life is a mist or a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Well, think of it like a, like a spray bottle. You spray it up in the air, and the droplets that are very fine, by the time they get to the floor, they've already evaporated and they're gone. Our lives are brief in the scope of eternity. Well, there's three questions that, as I thought about time, that I've asked, and maybe you would ask them too, is, but I, I want to see if this kind of helps us move along in this. It says, where do we get time? Okay, let's just start there. Where did it come from? Where do we get it? Well, most of you know God is the owner of time. We can't add a day or hour to our life. It's truly a gift from God. And since God is the owner, we will be accountable for the way in which we use our time. We are his stewards. We are his caretakers. Another question I ask is, how should I use it? I mean, is there some direction? Is there some reasoning in which I should go through and say, yeah, this is it? Well, there's a lot of good ways we can use our time, and I would say a lot of bad ways we can use our time. We think by maybe being organized and, and scheduling everything that uh, will be more effective. Well, that can be true, but it's not always true. I know some of you are list makers. I am definitely one of them. Some of you detest lists. Others can't live without your smart smartphone or iPhone. Using our time is not about cramming more into our schedule, and it's, but it's about doing what matters most. In John 9, 4, Jesus says these words. He says, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. But we also see in Jesus' life that he, he found time on a regular basis to get away and commune with his Father. Is that really our first thought? I know it's not mine always. Or is our thought more about solving the problem our way and then consult God when everything else didn't work? Jesus was very intentional and diligent with the small amount of time he had on earth and in his ministry. My wife and I are very different people when it comes to getting things done. I'm more of the fast-paced, cram-it-in, fit-it-all-in type, all right? She's more just like, let's go with the flow, knows what she can do, and neither way is right, I'll tell you, though. I did think my way was right originally, but she taught me otherwise. But what we need to understand is that we need to evaluate the things that we're doing and determine if it's, if it's best not to settle for mediocre because it's okay. What matters is that we are investing into the things that last, which are God's things. Let me explain this with a rope. 
I've got a long, long, long rope. And on one end, I've sectioned it off with just a little red marking, about an inch wide. This represents our life here on earth. Some of us have longer lives, others will have shorter lives. But in a scope, the rope is all eternity. And when we find this, you go, whoa, that's very little in the scope of eternity, and that's true. See, we need to find things that last for eternity. Why don't we spend so, why do we so find so much time, why do we spend so much time investing in things on earth that really have no eternal value? We need to find things that we can truly invest in, and that takes some work. Whenever I think of that, I, I think of um, a speaker I heard a long time ago. His name was Mark Cahill, and he wrote a book, and he says, one thing you can't do in heaven. And it, it intrigued me. I was like, oh, I wonder, wonder what that is. I, you know, I started thinking about it. And, and he said, you can't share the gospel or the good news of Jesus with anybody anymore. And I thought, whoa, okay. You can't care and serve for other believers and those in the body of Christ. We can't do those things any longer. But we can't share Christ with others when we're not here anymore. So it's pretty important that we spend our time investing in people. Remember, in 1 Corinthians 10, it tells us that whatever we do, do it all to the glory of God. If that is what we're supposed to do, why do we spend so much of our time glorifying ourselves? Remember that it's, it's God's story. He's the star of the story. He's asked us to play a small role in his story, not our own. And his story is so awesome. But we're a supporting role. We are the ones that, how can we put it, uh, we don't steal the show. We're the ones to spotlight or highlight the star of the show, and that's Jesus himself. And the last question, what will be the result of this time? Well, all, all of us would like to know what's in it for me. You know, if, if we could know what's in it for me, it's a lot easier to do it. Well, in short term, it, it might mean a friend at work receiving Christ as Savior because of your constant unjudging love and friendship with them. Long term, we don't know. Do you think that evangelist Mordecai Ham in Charlotte, North Carolina knew that by staying in Charlotte rather than going to Atlanta like he was going to, he would have had a young man named Billy Graham receive Christ? We need to leave the results in God's hands. I need to leave the results in God's hands. Well, why can we do that? Because his will is good, pleasing, and perfect, according to Romans 12, 2. So what will be the result of bringing glory to God? What can be better than that? The third point of this is this idea of being spirit-controlled. Ephesians 5.18 reads this way. It says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but 
be filled with the Spirit. See, get drunk with wine is not limited to just drinking, I think, here. This would be anything that is a waste of time and doesn't really bring glory or honor to God in any way. If we think of someone that is drunk, though, understand it this way. They've given up their control in many ways of all their actions. The alcohol is controlling them. They are not in control. However, Paul tells us to be filled with the Spirit. Instead of wasting our time, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit and let the Spirit control us. But we must voluntarily give over the control to the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you, that can be hard. But I'm going to tell you this, He will not force Himself upon us. We need to voluntarily give ourselves over to Him. But when we're controlled, we will see some pretty amazing things happen. Uh, Take the fruit of the Spirit, just to list a couple. Love, joy, peace, patience. It's, It's truly hard to have joy in the midst of tragedy or love in the midst of betrayal. Only the Holy Spirit can allow us to live that way. It doesn't come naturally. It only comes through the Spirit. In in verses 19 and 20, it says, the Apostle Paul is sharing here, and he says that we've got to be Spirit-controlled, and this is what it looks like. And this is neat. And this is something that I think a lot of us are missing right now as we're going through this time. Addressing one another in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs, singing, and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always. Hear that? Giving thanks always for everything. Not some things. Everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So in reality, how we actually live this verse may be more like, I'll give thanks. (laughs) This is kind of how I would live it and uh, struggle with this is i'll give thanks when things are going well and i'll forget to give credit to the one who gave me the opportunity god himself or i'll have a bitter attitude and unforgiving heart when things don't go my way and i'm going to blame god for it see it's hard to give thanks always and for everything it is how can we thank god when we have a loved one that's suffering from cancer How can we give thanks when a best friend of ours betrayed us? How can we give thanks always when we've lost our job because of the COVID-19 pandemic? We can't. We can't on our own. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to remember that God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. And I want you to remember that even though we may not fully understand it. It says in Ephesians 5.17, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. His will is good, pleasing, and perfect. God is always going to do what's right, even though in many times it doesn't feel that way. Well, remember I said I'd come back to this question a little later, and here we are. The question is, are you convinced that God's way is the best way? See, if you're not, then you're 
your time's going to be wasted here. And you're going to always feel empty. Even when you reach your goals, be the CEO, the win the team championship in whatever sport it is, it's just not going to last. See, our view of God and our time is critical to the way we live out our lives. I was reading a devotional by John Piper, and it's called Life as a Vapor. It's just a small little book, and, it, and he makes this quote in it, and I just thought it uh, reminds me, because we always talk about the future, and, hey, I'll see you tomorrow. And he has some good words, and he says, it, it's not on, it, it not only matters that you have a right view of life, when you make your plans, because you are a vapor. But it's also, it also matters that you have the right view of God as you make your plans. And it matters that you give expression of this true view of God. You ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. The idea is is that God is the one that has given us the time to do the things we do. We don't know what the next hours, days, months. Nobody saw this pandemic coming, but here we are, two months into it and thinking, wow, the world has changed. So I've got five practical steps, things that I think you can start today to kind of apply this passage of Scripture. First is dedicate your time to God. Put it in your heart to say, Lord, my life is yours. The second thing is determine your priorities. Luke 12, 34 says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, if you were to look at your bank account, your checkbook, or what, you know, whatever you're going to look at where your money is, you'd probably get a pretty good idea of where your priorities are. How much of our time and resources are we investing in God's priorities? That might be a good question to begin with. What, so, so here's something. What two or three things do you think God wants you to put as a priority in your life? Now, you might not be able to think of them right at this moment, but take some time to think, what should be a few priorities? Don't make a list of ten. Grab just a few. Pray about it. Think, it, think from a spiritual perspective. Be specific. You know, it would be like, uh, be a better dad. Maybe say, I will commit to reading and praying with each of my children three days a week. See, that would be specific. Or maybe share with a co-worker about Christ. That might just be the goal, but here's the specific. I will share with Mark at work by developing a friendship with him and inviting him to church. Number three, be controlled by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit always knows best. However, we need to be real careful that we're not running into just how we feel. We need to be sure we're doing, being, what we're doing is consistent with God's Word. The fourth step, consecrate. Or consecrates another word of this idea of being set apart. Set apart your efforts in areas you're gifted. Not just your talents and abilities, the things that are there, but your spiritual gifts, those things that you were given to give to the um, body of Christ. I have a website that I've often gone to just for some humor because it's kind of sarcastic and 
pithy, but um, it's called despair.com. And, um, you know, you get those nice posters on the wall that have all these encouraging things to say to power you forward. Well, this one kind of is called what we call demotivators. And some of you might be familiar with it, but it's a great place to go if you're trying to find that person that's got every gift, you know, everything, and you can't think of what to get them. This might be a place. But they have one of their posters, and it's, it's this picture of incompetence, and it's these bent nails. And the tagline is this. When you're, you earnestly believe you can compensate, and here's the deal, for a lack of skill by doubling your efforts, there's no end to what you can't do. <laughs> See, guys, if we don't have the Spirit, we can do everything in our own effort, and it's not going to matter any. When you're a follower of Christ, though, we're instantly indwelled with the Holy Spirit. Think of that which means we are given all the special spiritual gifts that are to be used to encourage and build up the church and those in the church. The primary use of spiritual gifts is first to our body, to one another. Are you using your spiritual gifts? Do you know your spiritual gifts? Many of you have some great talents and ability. Use them for the glory of God to invest in his kingdom. And the last one, do it now. Stop putting it off or stop making excuses. Commit to today. It would be like a football team in a huddle. And the quarterback calls the play that they have practiced and practiced and practiced. Many times each week, and this is the perfect time, the coach calls the play, he's excited about it, the team in the huddle is excited about it, and they're like, yeah, this is a great play. And then they break the huddle, and they all run to the bench. That doesn't make any sense, right? But see, that's what this morning can be. We go, oh, wow, that was really good. But then we don't put into practice what we've just learned, what we know will work, what God has told us will work. See, God's given us all the necessary resources to do what he's called us to do. And he will never fail us. So we need to stop waiting. There's a word that I love. Is, it's, it's called it's sojourn. It's this idea of being uh, temporary in a place. Um, it's like a foreigner in a different land. Um, they're kind of moving through it, not necessarily knowing where they're going to stop. But see, Jesus' life was so much like that. Think about his life. All he did was he would stop in places and care for people and be intentional. And that's what he wanted to teach his disciples to do that same very thing. So wherever you are right now is where God has you for a reason. You're not there by any chance. He wants you just where you are in the midst of a struggle, in the midst of a celebration. But we got to remember the days are evil, Scripture tells us. Time is precious. And we need to stop delaying. I need to stop delaying. I've got to stop making excuses. We need to stop making excuses. We've got to stop waiting for someone else to do it. And we need to step up and do it. For something to get finished, 
we need to step into it. We need to start making the most of every opportunity right now. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for these challenging words. You've told us to look carefully how we live. Not to be in fear, but to make good choices. But to make those good choices, Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to guide and to direct us. Lord, I pray that this morning that as we think about your word and what it says to us, that we would apply it right now, that we would commit in these few moments that we have to what you would have us do. And Lord, what's so cool is the fact that no matter who we are or who's listening, you're speaking to us individually and challenging us. And so Lord, I just pray that you would help us to understand more fully who you are and what you want from us. Thank you for the lives you've given us. And I pray that we would bring honor and glory to you and to your name. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us this morning. We're so glad that you were here. And maybe in a few weeks, we will begin to gather again. But until then, may the Lord go with you.